This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. In our second segment today, we hope to be joined by someone who is a, a living legend here in uh, Sacramento at the UC Davis Medical Center, Dr. Faith Fitzgerald. Dr. Fitzgerald has one more uh, teaching awards than I think I can cite. He's able to combine an encyclopedic knowledge of medicine with, uh, with a, a view of the big picture. She combines that with just outstanding teaching skills and, well, to make a long story short, we're looking forward to speaking with her in segment two. Stay tuned for that. Let us first begin this program as we like to do with On This Date in History. Because we think that uh, understanding what happened in the past helps us understand what's happening now. Our date in question is January 14th, and it was on January 14th in 1601, when in Rome, officials of the Catholic Church hold a burning of Hebrew books. And speaking as a fallen Catholic, I would say that the Catholic Church's uh, relations with our Jewish friends has, um, well, it's something that continues to need improving upon. Rather than our day in music history, on January 14th in 1690, Johann Christoph Denner invents the clarinet. That, folks, was the virtuoso of the clarinet, Mr. Benny Goodman. On this day in 1864, in the American Civil War, General William T. Sherman began his, his scorched earth march through the south and wound up burning the city of Atlanta, which did make some striking visuals in 1939's Gone with the Wind. On this date in 1896, Mr. Carlo Ponzi immigrated to America from Italy. He ran, as is now famous, a pyramid scheme. This type of crime is now named for Mr. Ponzi, as in a Ponzi scheme. Although he was caught and deported in 1934, Ponzi's record apparently didn't phase anybody in Mussolini's government. He was given a high position in Italy's financial sector. He rewarded their trust by embezzling money from the treasury and escaping to Brazil, where he died in 1949. Of course, thanks to astute regulators here in the United States, we've Never seen that sort of crime repeated on any sort of major scale, which is very reassuring. And from the Better Late Than Never file, it was on January 14th in 1918 that Russia and Finland finally got around to adopting the modern Gregorian calendar. Trivia buffs take note. This is why uh, the Soviet Union's famed October Revolution actually took place in November. They'd still been using the old calendar. Our quote of the day comes from Rush Limbaugh, who we don't frequently go to for our quotes of the day, who said, based on his recent experience in Hawaii where he was admitted to the hospital, Based on what happened here to me, I don't think there's one thing wrong with the American health care system. It is working just fine. Just dandy. And uh, we do have to concur. If you are a radio host worth several hundred million dollars, we agree. There's probably nothing wrong with the American health care system. It is just dandy. 
Our quip of the day comes from cartographer Joseph Rao, who once said, A fine quotation is a diamond on the finger of a man of wit, and a pebble in the hand of a fool. Our joke of the day comes from Peter, who sent this to us via email. After being married 40 years, a man took a careful look at his wife one day and said, You know, honey, 40 years ago we had a cheap apartment, a cheap car, slept on a sofa bed and watched a 10-inch black-and-white TV. But I got to sleep every night with a hot 25-year-old girl. Now I have a million-dollar home, $40,000 car, nice big bed, and plasma screen. But I'm sleeping with a 65-year-old woman. Seems to me, honey, said the man, you're not holding up your end of the bargain. The wife, who was apparently a very reasonable woman, said to him, Well, honey, you are free to go out and find yourself a new, hot 25-year-old. But I can tell you that I will then make sure that you're once again living in a cheap apartment, driving a cheap car, sleeping on a sofa bed, and watching a 10-inch black-and-white TV. I am woman, hear me roar, in numbers too big to ignore. And I know too much to go back and pretend, cause I've heard it all before. You know, we have a bonus uh, joke slash quip from uh, the late Gene Carroll, who we talked about on last week's program. Legendary comic of the 1950s, passed away last week at age 98. Noted the obit in the Week magazine, Jean Carroll uh, did not shy away from ethnic humor. In fact, she once told the benefit for the United Jewish Appeal, I've always been proud of the Jews, but never so proud as tonight. Tonight, I wish I had my old nose back. And if that hasn't gotten us into trouble, our stat of the day probably will. Apparently, a biography of Warren Beatty, released last week, claims that the 72-year-old Hollywood actor has slept with 12,775 women, a figure that the biography apparently says does not include daytime quickies, drive-bys, casual gropings, stolen kisses, and so on. Biographer Peter Biskind said Beatty was insatiable during his Hollywood prime, which I guess is one word for it. Warren Beatty's attorney is said that the huge number of lovers is one of the book's many false assertions. And no, we have no idea whether this is the same biography that worked on Wilt Chamberlain's bio some years back. What was the number he claimed, Mr. McMillan? I think, I think it was 11,000. Something like that. We at Radio Parallax maintain a healthy skepticism. I think we should go to the good, the bad, and the ugly. the week magazine it was a good week for gender stereotypes last week after a shopping center in Xi Jiazhuang China opened a car park for women officials said the lots parking spaces are three feet wider and are painted in pink and light purple to cater to women's quote strong sense of color and different sense of distance unquote hmm Anyway, it was a a bad week, conversely, last week for innovation. After Bulgarians participating in a survey voted the Chushkopek, 
an appliance for roasting up to seven peppers at a time as the most revolutionary household advance of the 20th century. I guess they must like their roasted peppers in Bulgaria because uh, the Chushkapek was ranked ahead of electricity, television, and the cell phone. But I do have to add, roasted peppers are awfully good. If this thing, this machine can roast them, we need to investigate what's going on with the Chushkapek. If you have any insights about this advice, please share them with us by writing to info at radioparallax.com. And it was kind of an ugly week this past week for journalism when it was announced that Sarah Palin is joining Fox News as a commentator. We would note that Palin's suggestion on Facebook last summer that death panels would determine whether seniors and the disabled deserved health care was voted the biggest political lie of the year by readers of Polifact.com, a nonpartisan fact-checking site run by the St. Petersburg Times. Fox noted they were not concerned Palin would make false assertions on the air, adding that the expectation that Palin will utter something controversial will likely drive viewership. They were quoted as saying, in the end, that's probably going to help us in that it's what people will want to watch. Fox News, ladies and gentlemen, fair and balanced. We did like David Letterman's top 10 list about Sarah Palin's first day at Fox, noting that she was sad to learn there was no real fox to hunt. All right, from the miscellaneous uh, file, we have the following. This is an irresistible news item. Kim McNaugh, writing in uh, the Sacramento Bee, noted last week that uh, two burglary suspects fleeing Sacramento County Sheriff's deputies headed for the Foothill High School campus to ditch their pursuers. They ran through the campus and out onto the football field, where, as it just so happened, players were practicing for the Pig Bowl on January 30th. The Pig Bowl, as you are probably aware, is the annual matchup between Sacramento area firefighters and law enforcement. Unfortunately for the suspects, it turned out that the latter team was working out that afternoon at Foothill High. Sheriff's Sergeant Tim Kern reported that the members of the team which was composed mainly of sheriff's deputies, ditched their pigskins and joined in the chase, eventually dogpiling 19-year-old James Hill just off the field. One deputy threw a pair of handcuffs into the pile and another locked them in place. And they also corralled the other two suspects. It's noted that all three faced charges of attempted burglary and conspiracy. We had talked to Kel Munger of the Sacramento News and Review a couple weeks back about uh, the interesting connections of... American evangelicals to the uh, moves afoot in Uganda to make homosexuality a crime, sometimes subject to the death penalty. January 7th article in the the Sacramento Bee by Jennifer Garza points out that uh, this Uganda anti-gay effort has local ties. Apparently Don Schmeier and Scott Lively joined a, a third person from Phoenix to give a series of talks to packed audiences in Uganda last March. They lectured about Curing Homosexuality, and The Dangers of the Gay Agenda. Also, how homosexuality is threatening the traditional family. The article notes that after their public talks, a Ugandan politician proposed a bill that would, in some instances, carry the death sentence for homosexuals. The legislation has been denounced by world leaders, including President Barack Obama. Sacramento gay community leaders who've been following the Uganda legislation said they were shocked to learn that two of the men have connections to the Sacramento region. For their part, Schmeyer and Lively have said they do not support the the harsh punishment 
as proposed by Ugandan legislation. Scott Lively said he does not believe homosexuality should be punished. A self-described recovering alcoholic, he said gays, like alcoholics, can be cured through therapy. In response, Bill Otten, Interim Executive Director of the Sacramento Gay and Lesbian Center, said medical studies have shown that people are not electing to be homosexual. People are people. They just are. And it's scary these men are spreading these ideas to other countries. And from the they-just-won't-give-this-up file, we have the news that, uh, that reportedly, in return for building a new $300 million arena for the Kings, Sacramento would gain 1,300 temporary jobs and 229 permanent jobs, according to a new report commissioned by Mayor Kevin Johnson's Arena Task Force. Good article in the B about this by, from Philip Reese and Dale Kassler. Uh, but I think it's all summed up by one reply by Roger Knoll, described as a Stanford University economist, who said, 200 jobs is nothing. You induce Macy's to open another store and you get that. For our part, we are firmly in favor of the building of a new arena in Las Vegas, where the billionaire team owners operate their lucrative casino. From the climate file, we have the fact that uh, there appears to be an El Nino phenomenon developing off the coast here of California, which they think explains the sudden dearth of sea lions, a popular tourist attraction at Pier 39 in San Francisco. There's normally hundreds of sea lions laying on these uh, docks, you know, which tourists love to take pictures of. The count dropped to 20 all of a sudden a few weeks ago. It appears they've all headed north to Oregon. According to Steve Saubert, co-owner of Sea Lion Caves, a private preserve uh, near the town of Florence, we've seen these huge pods out in the ocean, 200, 300 yards out, altogether a couple of thousand sea lions. They're just here all of a sudden. How the sea lions know that the herring and shrimp are up in Oregon and they better swim up there is a mystery to us. But apparently uh, some uh, changes in currents right off San Francisco has left the area devoid of the fish that the sea lions need. So, you know, more power to them. Nice article in the Sacramento News and Review about uh, Project Censored, something we've talked about on a regular basis on this program. The effort by Peter Phillips and other people at Sonoma State University to document the biggest news stories that the mainstream media seems to gloss over for a given year. We uh, do not always agree with their choices, but we think this is an entirely laudable effort and should be encouraged by all uh, media outlets. I'd like to cite a couple of them. We've all heard about the, uh, the pirate situation off Somalia. But the number three story for uh, 2009, cited by Project Censored, is the untold story of the Somali pirates. While news items have described surprise attacks on shipping vessels, daring rescues, and cadres of ragtag bandits extracting multi-million dollar ransoms, little ink was devoted to factors that made the Somalis desperate enough to resort to piracy in the first place, which include the dumping of nuclear waste and rampant overfishing of their coastal waters. Back in the early 1990s, when Somalia's government collapsed, foreign interests began swooping into unguarded coastal waters to trawl for food and venturing into unprotected Somali territory to cheaply dispose of nuclear waste. These uncontrolled fishing harvests damaged the economic livelihood of Somali fishermen and eroded the country's supply of a primary food source. That's when the piracy began. Item number seven for last year, according to uh, Project Censored, was Barack Obama's controversial defense appointees. 
They noted that uh, Obama's decision to retain Robert Gates, Secretary of Defense under George W. Bush, marks the first time in U.S. history that a president has opted to keep a defense secretary of an outgoing opposing party in power. Gates, himself a former CIA director, has faced criticism for allegedly spinning intelligence reports for political means. In The Failure of Intelligence, The Decline and Fall of the CIA, author and former CIA analyst Melvin Goodman described him as the chief action officer for the Reagan administration's drive to tailor intelligence reporting to White House political desires. Gates does not have a reputation for being, shall we say, truthful to Congress. Might be a good time to note that when we say things like that, that's an opinion. And the opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the regents of the University of California. The same article about uh, controversial defense appointees, I, I didn't know this about Deputy Defense Secretary William Lynn. He was a former senior vice president at Raytheon. The article notes that under Lynn's leadership, the Defense Department was unable to properly account for $3.4 trillion in financial transactions made over the course of several years. You know, the legendary uh, Illinois Senator Everett Dirksen once famously said, referring to the federal budget, a billion here, a billion there, pretty soon it adds up to real money. But no, we were talking about trillions. That's with a T. Couldn't properly account for $3.4 trillion in transactions. Here's an item from the, uh, the Law of Unintended Consequences file. According to the New York Times, traffic lights using environmentally friendly LED bulbs have led to a spate of serious traffic accidents. That's because the bulbs don't produce as much heat as standard bulbs, allowing snow and ice to accumulate and obscure the green and red signals. I did note to my horror that um, a friend of mine who works for PG&E told me that the compact fluorescence really shouldn't be put inside of containers. When I put a compact fluorescent in place of an incandescent bulb and then screw the globe back in on the outside, they keep burning out. And I've been advised that they tend to do that. And that you can't at all put them in the pocket lighting that people uh, sometimes put up in their, uh, in their hallways. I'm not sure why this is, but I have observed this and uh, I'm not too happy about it. If you know anything about this, by the way, that's another thing. Drop us a line at info at radioparallax.com. Do we have to go with bare bulbs in our rooms now? Horrible concept. I want to remind you folks uh, that this weekend there's going to be a, uh, a benefit for the Soapbox program featuring Jeannie Keltner. This apparently will involve a performance by satirical songster Dave Lippman, who is also known as Wild Bill Bailout and the Bard of Bankers. This will be at the California Stage 2509 R Street in Sacramento. For more information, you can call 916-444-3203. Let's hear from our friend and yours, Mr. Will Durst. Well, thanks, Doug. And today I'd like to add my two cents into the raging controversy over whether airports should use full-body scanning machines that can see through passenger clothing all the way down to our naughty bits. You know what? I don't care. And this is all because of the underpants bomber. Here's my theory. If the bad guys are willing to shove explosive suppositories into their nether regions, we're not going to win that war. Who can afford the salary to hire the people to check for this? And even though the Fruit of the Loom bomb didn't go off... 
conservatives are still screaming at the president. And one thing that hasn't changed with administrations is the propensity for responsibility deflection. While the information may have been there, but nobody connected the dots. Connected the dots? This guy paid $3,000 in cash for his ticket, didn't have a passport, flew without checked baggage after his dad dropped a dime on him at the Nigerian embassy, and the British warned us. Those aren't dots. Those are day-glow beach balls the size of weather balloons filled with concrete. Not to mention that he flew from Amsterdam to Detroit. I mean, come on, who voluntarily leaves Amsterdam to go to Detroit in the dead of winter? Everybody in that flight should have been suspicious and been body cavity searched with a defective chainmail glove, boarding and deplaning. And you know, it's only a matter of time before the TSA refocuses on the new most dangerous airborne menace known to man, panties, training its entire roster of agents in the speedy implementation of the dreaded two-handed wedgie. Yeah, you gotta love the TSA. Fighting yesterday's security threats with today's technology tomorrow. For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst, and I'll see you Saturday at the Center for the Arts in Grass Valley. In fact, as Will mentioned, he will be appearing this Saturday, January 16th, at the Center for the Arts in 314 West Main Street in Grass Valley. You can get more information at thecenterforthearts.org. On the website, it refers, it says... The Center for the Arts Comedy Series presents the Lieutenant Governor from the State of Confusion, Will Durst, at 8 p.m. After a short break, we'll talk with someone that's been on our short list of desired guests for many a year, Dr. Faith Fitzgerald from UC Davis. Stay tuned for that. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. <laughs>